Well, are you guys ready? Yeah. Here I go. All right. What is up, everybody? Welcome back to the Fascinating Podcast. This is episode 246. I'm J.R. Foresteros. I'm Kathy Cobb. And I'm Matt Michelotis. <laughs> wow, Matt. <laughs> that was... I'm tired, man. I can't think of any funny names for myself. Matt Parasitolotus. Parasitolotus. Holiday Allotus. Micasitolotus. Oh, no. Possum Allotus. <laughs> well, on this week's show, it's kind of a potpourri. Uh, it's the day before Thanksgiving as we're recording, so we're going to talk about some holiday movies we enjoy. We're going to talk about the newest film by Bong Joon-ho, Parasite, which we all have seen and enjoyed. And Spoiler. And uh, then, of course, you know, uh, as always, what's fascinating us this week. Unfortunately, Clay, I think, is in Mexico right oh, now. Oh, poor Clay. So, I mean, unfortunately for, for us, like, Clay... We don't feel bad for it at all. I hope Clay is but, eating yeah. some good food. Clay, please eat some good food. Yes. Uh, I mean, he's with Jen, so you know okay. Jen will steer him. Well, in we know Jen's direction. eating good food. Thank she you, Jen. She has a very refined palate. Yeah. So, um, all right. So, uh, did y'all see the story that I shared on Facebook earlier this week about the couple in Tasmania that stumbled upon the hunter spider? I yes, did. I'm sad to say that I did. <laughs> Why are you sad, so Matt? Cool. It was so gross. Are you cool. a so so this uh, this <clears throat> couple was vacationing in Tasmania and they came out of their front door and they saw a hunter spider that was dragging and devouring a pygmy possum. Not just dragging, it was on the side of a wall, like it was hanging off a door. It was yeah. amazing. So so of course the uh, the 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 uh, male partner of the couple uh, grabbed his phone and started recording and taking pictures because obviously. So yeah, Matt, is this because you have a special place in your heart for pygmy possums? Have you have you been to Australia or New Zealand or anywhere like that? No. no. The number of spiders in that country is intense. Like Krista and I went on a walk through the woods, and at one point I looked up and there was a canopy of spiders. Like like I'm not joking, between every tree. There were probably 20,000 spiders over us. It was crazy. How big were they? Uh, I mean, probably not any bigger than a 50 cent piece. <laughs> okay. Most of them. I don't know. The ones I saw, my brain might've just shut off when it saw larger ones and not <laughs> recognize the other compute. ones spiders. It didn't recognize. Yeah. You, you just know, were like Stephen something King's alive. Order. Ugh. It in the original ending of it in Stephen King's novel, when they face the true form of Pennywise, yeah. it's it's too alien for their brains to comprehend. And so, like, the nearest thing that their brain can make it look like to make sense of what they're seeing is a spider. Do you oh. feel like that's roughly what you experienced? Yeah, probably. It might have been Pennywise. That's true. Like I, that I sort of deep primal that. terror. That's possible. He's hiding I'm in Australia. I'm a big advocate for not killing spiders when at all possible because oh, yeah. they kill all the other pests. Right. That's why I keep trying to explain to Micah, who hates all bugs, that she should like spiders, but she does not. I thought Micah was your one that loved all that creepy stuff. She loves creepy stuff, but not spiders and not oh. animals that are bugs. 
any bug. Like she'll scream if a fly is in the house. It's it's actually extremely distressing. She'll be like, ah, Dad! Ah. Sounds like she's dying. And I run down there. She's like, a fly. Okay. <laughs> Flies are disgusting. So I mean, there's yeah, that. But are they scream for your dad? Disgusting. <clears throat> That's what I'm not sure about. I did kill one uh, the other night. It was rather large. You know, it's one of those that has managed to live into oh. the cold weather here. And it's just kind of like flying around inside the lampshade, all confused. Oh, I so that. I had to finally like just reach in and like smack it. Nice. It was huge. No, I grabbed a Kleenex. Wow. I am the bug killer you in the family. You caught it still. You didn't use like a fly swatter. You... You. No, because it was in my bedroom. I wasn't going to go downstairs to grab the fly swatter. I'm just saying you caught a fly with your hand. You're, that's amazing. It was a slow fly. Oh, those you know, like Yeah, once they get big like that. They're true. big they're and they're sluggish and they're slow and it's cold. So like, I don't know. It it was confused. It didn't belong. I put it out of its mercy, but I am the <laughs> bug killer in the home. I mean, you so, know by their size that they've also been living in your house for like six years. A long time. A long time. Um, yeah. Speaking of big bugs, yeah. did you also see the thing I posted on Facebook last week? No. What was that one? Or remind me. Yeah. Uh, about when I put my hoodie on and oh. felt the tag poking me in the back. <laughs> no. What? Okay, Kathy, I'll just tell you this story. So I hate, like, I hate tags on my shirts. Like more than anything. And they make like tagless shirts now. And they've also started making the tags like super, e like almost like perforated. Super right, easy right. To tear so off. you can pull them Because like the thing I hate more than anything is when like a tag is just brushing the back of my neck. Because it's not consistent. So it's like just when you move it and it just like scratches and oh, like I'm cringing right now just thinking about it. So the other day I was getting ready to go out. I grabbed my hoodie, put my hoodie on. And, um, I felt like I felt the tag on the back of my neck and I was like, ah, oh, like I've had this hoodie forever. I thought I got rid of that tag, but it was also like kind of in the middle of my back, like, like lower a little bit. So like I reached up, like up my back, up, up under my shirt to try to get it and I couldn't reach it. I couldn't hit it. So I was like, okay, whatever. And then like, as soon as I straightened back out, I felt it again, like a little bit higher up and I was like, oh, that freaking tag. So I reached back again, I like really crane to get back up there. I can't get it i just can't reach that stupid tag so i straighten back up and then i feel it again like right on the back of my neck so this time i'm like fine i'm gonna go in like like behind my head like down the back of my shirt instead of up the back of my shirt so i reach down the back of my shirt and my hand closes on something soft and i kind of like in one motion like hurl it towards my sink and it was like a three inch long roach that i guess had been in my hoodie that then crawled down my shirt. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what they say, where there's one roach, there's a thousand more. Well, this is Texas. So like anyone down here in Texas will tell you that th this particular kind of roach, like you, oh. there is no, there is no there's keeping no them out of your house. Like there's, yeah, it's Ooh. like, you get, there, you there, it a, is, it you is huntsman spider, bud. Yeah, I know. That's why I keep as many spiders as possible. And you are trying to get me to move to Texas? No. Yeah. No. I mean, that's that's a very, that's no. one. I've been here almost, I've been here five and a half years, and that's the first time I've ever had a roach on me. Yeah, that's one too many times. Mm. Mm. Eh. Kathy makes yeah. a strong point. 
Uh, I'll remember that, Kathy, when you're... Is it still snowing there? Remind me. No, it's raining today. Okay. You know what's great about the snow? It keeps the roaches out. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't, though. That's the thing. <laughs> I've never had a roach in my house, so... Well, down here, down here, they're ubiquitous and inevitable. Mm. So, oh well. Yeah, so it was fun. I shared that story <clears> on <throat> Facebook, and then, of course, I said I can still feel the roach on my back, and now so can you. And uh-huh. uh, it got quite a lot of uh, fun interactions on that one. <laughs> but it, it's it is true that that really did happen to me. So, uh, well. yeah. So anyway, hunt, huntsman spiders. We have a few listeners who are down under, so I would love to hear uh, if they have interactions with these giant spiders. Uh, and like what the protocol is, are, are they live and let live? Are they kill them, kill them, kill them dead, burn down the house? Like what is, you know, now I think what does Huntsman one do? spiders, they're quite poisonous, right? Uh, I don't know. Pretty sure. I mean, are. obviously that possum didn't make it out. Well, and possums don't <laughs> need to make baby. it out. Possums are mean. No, it was a pygmy possum. Possums no, are baby. mean. They are mean. They're mean. Uh, let's see. Huntsman spiders are known by their name because of their speed and mode of hunting. And they're also called giant crab spiders because of their size and appearance. <laughs> oh. They're also called nightmare fuel because, well, you uh, know. <laughs> in southern Africa, they're known as rain spiders or lizard-eating spiders. Ooh. See, that's good. Uh... <laughs> Oh. Anyway, several species of the huntsman can use an unusual form of locomotion, like the wheel spider, who uses a cartwheeling motion, or I don't know, scientific name, which uses a handspring motion. Oh, I've got to see video of That's this. That's cool. Uh, let's see. Let's see. Yes, they do use venom. Severe bites, local swelling, pain, nausea, headache, vomiting, irregular <laughs> pulse rate, heart palpitations, <laughs> seism- or systemic neurological toxin <clears throat> effects, especially when bites are severe or repeated. Let's see. But it's are not, they fatal? It's not clear bites. what provokes them to bite humans, but it is suggested that they might just be very hungry. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I feel like that's the same goes for us, right? Yeah, it's true. Yeah. If I bite someone, the only explanation I can think of is that I'm probably very hungry. And because I'm that. not normally a biter. That's what I'm saying. Um, I need to tell you one more thing about the huntsman spider, and then we don't need to talk about them ever again. Okay. <laughs> when a male senses the chemical pheromone left by a female... It anchors itself firmly to the surface onto which they are crawl- they have crawled, and they use their legs to transmit vibrations from their bodies to the surface, and they produce a substrate sound with the abdomen. The frequency of vibration and pattern of bursts identifies them to the females who will approach if interested. Humans can hear this as a rhythmic ticking, like a quartz clock. <laughs> Listen, I'm not going to say that this is my spirit animal, but I definitely made advances towards Amanda by beating out patterns of songs on my belly. Shoot, they have to shed their exoskeleton as they get larger. Oh, that I bet that looks cool. Um, also, it says they do not live in Portland, Oregon. So that's... <laughs> so... 
You're good. It's... Uh, are you reading on Wikipedia, Matt? Because <laughs> yeah. uh, I'm definitely going to go edit that Wikipedia page. Oh, no, I wrote that <laughs> sentence myself. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, uh, it is officially, unfortunately, f- the holiday season. I say unfortunately, say unfortunately because... Yeah. Because Christmas doesn't start until December 25th. Oh, my gosh. Are you still on this? <laughs> yeah, I'm still on the 2,000-year church tradition. I sure am. Wow. You know what, JR? In the words of Kylo Ren, <laughs> you just need to let the past die. <laughs> <laughs> wow, Matt. I'll That's make sure deep. to tell Jesus that next time I talk to him. I mean, Jesus died. <laughs> <laughs> So we thought it would be fun before we dive into talking about Parasite, which is a movie we know not a lot of us have been able to see because of limited access in theaters. So before we get to that, we thought it would be fun to talk about some of our favorite holiday films. So I'm curious, during this season of the year, which again, apparently starts now after Halloween and extends all the way, of course, until Epiphany on January 6th. Um, oh, it definitely ends are, on December 31st. Uh, what are some of your favorite <laughs> uh, holiday films? Uh, we have three that we watch every year in my family. Okay. Depending on your age, you may not see all of them. Uh, we watch wow. Christmas Vacation, National Lampoon's <laughs> Christmas Vacation. That is Krista's favorite holiday movie. Yeah. We watch Home Alone, which is just a universally acknowledged film of enjoyment. Do you watch the entire four film series? No, no, no. The closer it gets to, you know, Donald Trump guest starring, we, we we don't acknowledge those. Um, so we watched the first one. Micah does not love home alone because it's people getting hurt and she doesn't think it's funny. She, and there's a spider in it feels bad for them. Mm. Um, and then the kid's favorite movie by far, like definitely by far, it is not only watched at Christmas, is Elf. Yes. So those are our big three. <laughs> How about you guys? Nice. Kathy, are there oh. any must watches in your Elf. in your house? Oh Elf. Elf also. Elf also. Yes. It's constant, actually. Um and the holiday season doesn't start after thanks or after Halloween. I don't I don't think it does either. I mean, I, I know literally the saw multiple yes. people posting this year, Halloween's over, now I can put up my Christmas tree. Huh. And that's also when Hallmark started airing all of their quote unquote holiday movies. Now wow. what I have seen is Thanksgiving is too late this year. We don't have enough of a Christmas season. I'm starting the week before Thanksgiving. I've seen that. Oh, I haven't seen any of We have that. 12 days, just like we have every year. <laughs> yeah, I don't think you're going to win on this one, but A for effort. I'm really curious. Blessed are you when you are persecuted, for you are called children of God. I'm oh. really curious if any of our longtime listeners have been swayed by JR's Christmas uh, War for Christmas. <laughs> and, uh, if you have changed your holiday tradition to come more in line with the ancient tradition that JR follows, we would love to hear about your experience. Yes, please. Please let us. us know. Um, and then a Christmas story is another one. And that oh, is nice. one that Peter unsuccessfully tried for years. 
to get the family to watch. Uh, I had never seen the movie, actually. (laughs) (laughs) What was your feeling when you did see it? Well, okay, so like several movies that he has tried to uh, force us to watch, it it took several, several times of like... (laughs) Watching a few minutes and being like, no, I'm not interested. And same for the kids. Like, really? What? Let's just. mm." Um, And he would insist like, no, this is a great movie. You're going to love it. And we're all like, "Mm, not so sure. I I think it was just maybe in the last couple of years where the four of us were like, oh, yeah, we do like this movie. (laughs) So. I think our first reaction, my first reaction was, I don't think so. (laughs) Yeah, I didn't, but it took a couple times. So those are the two that we watch every holiday season. And for us, it usually, holiday doesn't start until Thanksgiving. Like we have nothing out. There's nothing out, but there are plans because we pull out the stuff the day after Thanksgiving. That's what we do too. Yeah. We're not allowed to, this is not my rule, but we're not allowed to listen to Christmas music until the day after Thanksgiving. Yeah. I don't play it here until after Thanksgiving. I know JR, you're having a heart attack. Yeah. It's it's so painful right now. It's having a holiday heart attack there. When, when do you take your decorations down? Before the first. Oh no, not us. It stays. Uh, Our tree starts indoor to get or in. outdoor. <laughs> indoor oh, decorations or outdoor, right? Because we also put lights, and then we have like a we have an inflatable Darth Vader holiday version because he's holding a candy cane instead of a lightsaber. <laughs> <laughs> so those usually stay out. From. Are you not getting the uh, inflatable ad ad? Okay, so I saw it. I showed Peter and I said, we should get this. And he's like, honey, that's a little extravagant. Isn't it like $40? I didn't look. I don't know. I, I looked 40. it up and I, I was it's like. it's more than that, don't you think? Okay, maybe it's more than that. But still, I was like, mm, I don't. I don't think it's extravagant. I think yeah, it goes. Yeah, it's, it's $150. Oh, I was wrong. Okay. Peter, but you, you were could right. Get a Star Wars ugly Christmas sweater for just sixty. Oh, I think I could get it cheaper at Goodwill, oh, but we sure already have we have the Darth Vader, and I think we should add to it, and maybe after Christmas it'll be on sale. That's a good point. Right, that's when I bought the Darth Vader. Two years ago, I bought it after Christmas. So the outdoor ones don't come down. We do start turning them off. Like we don't turn them on somewhere in January, but I don't, we don't take them, bring them in until there's like a warmer spell. And then the inside stuff, I don't know. I, I think I put them away now before Corbin goes back to school. Because I want their help <laughs> putting everything away. <laughs> so I'll wait until like the weekend before both of them start school. 
Is we, that allowed? We take our indoor stuff down usually by the first because our tree starts to get brittle, you know? Oh, ours is brittle because it's plastic. <laughs> allergies. <laughs> we have too Jared, many allergies. How does it work in your house where you have two families cohabitating? Do they follow your rules? Oh, no, they definitely do not. <laughs> and again, I can't overemphasize how little they are my rules. Uh-huh. Okay, here we go. The rules that you follow, I mean? Yeah. Yeah, I guess if you mean rule in the sense of like a monastic rule, like something that is authorized by and valued by the church, then in that sense, I guess it could be my rule. Are you, I mean, do you have frankincense on your list this year or you? Yeah, of course, every year. Uh huh. I have the essential oil. <laughs> do you and um do you and amanda sleep in separate mangers or do you get one big one you just need the one manger yeah oh, okay that's good yeah that's probably where the roaches are coming from bro maybe i mean again it's texas they're just around everywhere <laughs> uh yeah no we uh we tend we put out our decorations maybe like a day or two before christmas eve um but yeah, liberal usually usually on Christmas Eve, and then they're up till Epiphany. Uh-huh. It's pretty simple. Hmm. Yeah. And your movies? Oh yes. Uh, so I mean, like we love watching Christmas Vacation. We we often will watch a movie every day of the twelve days of Christmas, like a Christmas movie. Oh, so we'll we'll definitely watch Christmas Vacation. We'll definitely watch Elf. Uh, I actually have never seen a Christmas story still to this day. Oh, so what? are you yeah. serious? Yes. Oh, do you know all the jokes from it? Like, do you see people referencing it all the time? Yes. Okay. Yeah. The you'll shoot your eye out. Yes. And, uh, tongue on the pole. Yep. All the, uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. So. And the, the queen mother of curse words. Do you know about that? I don't know about that. Oh, okay. We won't, we won't spoil it for you then. Oh, okay. Thanks. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but of course my my must my personal must watch Christmas movie is Die Hard. Um, that's my favorite. So, what day does uh, Die Hard take place on? It takes place on Christmas Eve. Ah, uh, hmm. Are not all the Die Hards are Christmas movies, right? Just the one. Just the first two. Oh, the first two. The f- the fourth one is a Fourth of July movie. Oh, the fifth one we do not speak of. <laughs> is that Die Harder? What is that one called? A die good hard with day a to die hard. Oh, a good day to die hard. Yeah, seems like they should have known they were running out of titles. Yeah, and then okay, uh, Die Hard is that it? Oh no! And then Amanda's must watch is Love Actually. I've never seen that one. Really? Oh, it's it's fun. It's a Richard Curtis movie, so it's it's generally positive about relationships. It's fun. It's complicated. Yeah. <laughs> it is. <laughs> but but overall it's pretty it's a pretty fun, sweet movie. Uh, and then actually last year I discovered a wonderful advent movie uh-huh. uh, that is now streaming on Hulu oh. called Anna Anna oh, and Hulu? the Apocalypse. Yeah. Anna and the Apocalypse. I've wanted to see that one so bad. It is a it is a zombie advent musical. it's so that is definitely a movie i want to watch well now you can because advent starts on sunday so by the time this episode airs we'll be in the advent season you can watch anna and the apocalypse jr this is probably the closest we're going to come to celebrating at the same time (laughs) 
because I'm not going to start till Friday. And you're going to start till Sunday. Start, start what? Advent season. Mm, I feel like when you say Advent season, you mean Christmas season. Nope. I'm only going to listen to sad songs about how the world is dying. <laughs> and I'm going to wait all the way till Christmas Eve to Just say like maybe to the good world. things are coming. And on Christmas Day, we'll open our stockings because we will have already opened our gifts. <laughs> when do you open your gifts? Christmas Eve. Oh. There's literally nothing left for you by Christmas Day, is there, Matt? No. Christmas Day is like the day that we collect all the paper out of the trash and try to fit it in the garbage. Happy birthday, Jesus. Happy birthday, Jesus. Hope you enjoyed watching us celebrate the day yesterday. <laughs> We still sing happy birthday to Jesus. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> my mom made a sheep cake every year for Jesus' birthday. <laughs> I'm not kidding. What was the what was the frosting decor like? I mean, it depended a little bit on the year, but she would make like a, I think it's called a Texas sheet cake, JR. Yeah, yeah, we, and, I'm aware of these. And she would put a, a nativity scene on it, and we would put candles in, and we would sing um, happy birthday to Jesus. Would you do it Marilyn Monroe style or more no. like straightforward? No, yes. it, was, it was a pretty straightforward kind of family singing. Yes. Oh, okay. Yes. That's what, that's what we do. And I love that the kids still humor me. Kids they, being they, like they two in their 20s. Too, sure. Oh, and sometimes <laughs> obligation is a good thing. Oh, for sure. Yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, my mom insists whenever we are all together that instead of praying for our meal, we all sing the doxology together. Oh, wow. Yes. Before every meal. Whenever we as uh, like my siblings and me and my mother are all together. So wow. I actually love the doxology when it is sung um, properly. What is and properly? Well, wow, Kathy, not, I feel like <laughs> <laughs> judged. Maybe you should feel judged. Yeah. So it, because it's it's actually a beautiful and the harmony, the words, right? But not like a dirge. Oh, you want right? like so, drums and electric guitars? No, 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 no. Just, Just upbeat. voices, upbeat, tempo. Not like praise, praise God from. from yeah. Yep. So now do it I'm the way you. it should be, or was that the way it should be? No, that's not. Did the that way sound it joyful be. or dirgy to you? I'm just that's saying there's a pretty wide spectrum in church of where we've gotten to joyful and not dirgy. Really? Oh, I yeah, feel that like that was clearly dirgy. That's just <laughs> yeah. That's... Kathy and I landed on it together immediately. <laughs> we didn't rehearse that before the show. Not at all. Yeah. So what does it sound like? Joyful. It's like. What, you start Praise your God from whom all, all blessings, blessings flow. Praise uh, uh, all creatures here below. Yeah, just, you know, up-tempo. What's your family dinner? Where where do you fall in the uh, tempo for dinner? Oh, it's very upbeat. Because everybody wants to eat? My mother, no, my mother is a generally joyful <laughs> individual. So. That's why an up-tempo doxology would work better. Yeah. Right? Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. I mean, you don't have to convince me that church music should be exciting and fun, not sad dirty. and yeah, dirty. I just feel like you're a traditionalist on some things and a complete liberal on others. Like what? Like trying to have happy music at church. Come on. 
<laughs> so liberal. <laughs> well, family and tradition. That probably goes to our movie we're about to discuss. Yes. Yes. Family and tradition. Yeah. So I'm curious <clears throat> what... Uh, so we're going to talk about Parasite by Bong Joon-ho, and we're going to spoil the heck out of it. So I would say, if you have not seen this movie, probably all three of us would say you should and should see it unspoiled. Yeah. it It's almost better to go in not knowing anything, which is what I did, I think, because... I was not certain what was happening for a good portion of the movie. Like, I wasn't sure what genre I was in, I guess is what I'm saying. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I had seen a trailer, but I feel like I feel like you could actually watch the trailer and still be completely unprepared for the film. Absolutely. Absolutely. I knew very little going in, fully trusting... Uh, <laughs> Peter's choice of movies, which I don't always fully trust. Let's be honest. <laughs> but this one I was very curious about. So, Kathy, had yeah. you, were you familiar with Bong Joon-ho's other work? Yes, but I have not seen his other work. So I've only heard Peter talking about it. And okay. then um, uh, Bethany has seen some of his other work. So I've heard the two of them talk about it and always in the back of my mind, I'm trying to figure out how the two of them have so much time to watch <laughs> all these movies. But uh, that aside, <laughs> I was looking forward to seeing this Sometimes movie. Sometimes I feel Peter. like mom is judging the way I'm using my time. She doesn't say anything, but mom I just feel like wife, maybe she is. Yes. Yes. So uh, Matt, what about you? Had you seen Snowpiercer, Oakjaw or any of his other? Uh, I had seen Snowpiercer, that might be it. Did he do a zombie one? No, he, he did not do Train to Busan. Okay, that's the one I was thinking of. So he did... Yeah, I've only seen Snowpiercer. That's the only one. How about you, JR? I had seen Snowpiercer, and that was it. Okay. Um, I had heard good things about Okja. Yes. But had not seen it. Yep. Um, and uh, I forget the director of Train to Busan's name, but he did that and the host... And they're, I guess they're kind of like the two big South Korean directors right now, at least mm-hmm. in genre film. So I, I've actually, I'm actually more familiar with the other guy's work, but I love, I mean, uh, my Amanda and I went and saw Snowpiercer at the little independent theater in Dayton, Ohio, gem of the Midwest, where we used to live. <laughs> and um, I don't know what's so funny about that. Right? Oh. Uh, um, yeah, we just, we, we couldn't believe it. It was such a stunning movie. Um and so we were pretty excited about Parasite, especially with all the buzz that came out about it. I mean, it won the the highest award period at Cannes. Not like the not like the best actor, best script, or whatever. It won like the Palme d'Or or whatever. Like their their version of best picture is. So, um, which again, given that he's primarily a genre director, as far as I knew, I thought was pretty impressive. So I was pretty excited about it. And what did we all think? Um, I went in thinking it was probably a supernatural horror movie. Like, I think maybe the name Parasite and having seen Snowpiercer, I assumed it had like a speculative fiction kind of thing to it. So I was, and I think you could still make an argument, right? That there's something supernatural going on, but I was just waiting for the other shoe to drop the whole movie. Like 
right up until that kid, they showed the kid, you know, the, what is it? The kid who's six mm-hmm. has the traumatic memory of the ghost yes. in the basement. And then they yes. show this thing with gigantic eyes coming out out of the basement. I was like, <clears throat> this is like, it. I was like, what? JR has tricked me into watching this is what I was thinking. I know you like horror now. So I mean, yeah, I was pretty sure. <laughs> That thing was going to have eight legs when it got up to the top. But anyway, uh, yeah, so I was a little, um, it went against my expectations. I enjoyed it. I thought it was a good movie. It has a lot of interesting things to say. But I, and it's a pretty uncommon experience for me to walk into a movie and not know what it's about, not know the genre, and for it to surprise me. So that was, that was fun. Okay. How about you? What about you, Kathy? Uh, so the experience of watching it was also, it added to the movie itself. So Peter and I saw it locally and we were the only two in the theater. So that made it that we were a little sad. Uh, and so then it felt, we had to decide if we were going to talk like we were, (laughs) right? Like, are we going to observe the rules of being in a theater, even though we are the only two. And so Kathy, does that mean, what does that mean? Are, is one of you a never talker and one's like wanting to talk or you both enjoy talking or like what, what is the dynamic there for you two? <laughs> it's me. <laughs> <laughs> I want to like, you know, I'm like punching him in the arm and I'm whispering like, I know what's going to happen. This is what's going to happen. <laughs> oh, no. I totally understand. <laughs> <clears throat> and Peter the whole time is like, I'm just trying to watch a movie. Is that yes. where he is? Yes. Oh. Probably. So when you say we needed to decide, it was like Peter needs to decide. <laughs> I if he's needed to decide if I was going to observe. Yes. So I stayed silent, but there were a few times where I did grab his arm. Oh, then, yeah. Like made him look at me like, what is this movie? I don't understand. <laughs> Uh, but I loved it. I would love to see it again. Uh, I'd also love to see it with my parents because oh, there was really? so much commentary around class, mm-hmm. colonialism, mm-hmm. East, West, uh, just even the visual of the home and the like the basement neighborhood. Right. Uh, so, so I'm, I would just love to like see the movie with my parents and then talk about what they thought, because I imagine we would have different experiences. So what Kathy, what, I mean, are you, so my, my mom and stepdad are mm-hmm. both, I would call, I would say they're both cinephiles, right? Mm-hmm. They'll go see pretty much anything in the theater and we really enjoy getting to discuss films. Are your parents that way? Like, do they go see a lot of films or would it be more you asking them to participate in this as like a shared cultural experience? Uh, a little bit of both. So I have learned that in the last few years, they will occasionally go see a movie on $5 Tuesday how do they or have use time their now? senior how, discount. How are they? <laughs> I know. Well, so here's the thing. They're both retired. Oh, <laughs> As opposed to my husband and my daughter. <laughs> They've done their work. 
they've done their work. And uh, so occasionally they'll go see something, but they're more likely to see like a Korean film that's made its way over to the U.S. and is playing at some like art house theater. Did they go to this movie? They did not go to this movie. And I think it's still playing somewhere out where they're at. So we might be able to go see it with them. So they're not, they're not the like, I'm just going to go see a movie regularly kind of people. We do make them come, not make them. They join us because we have a tradition of going to see a movie on Christmas Day. Ah. Because as a family, we get together Christmas Eve, my side of the family. We get together Christmas Eve. And then Christmas Day, we just spend the day like lounging around, eating the food I make. And then in the evening, we go see a movie and my parents will come and join us. And so they're not the like, oh, we heard about this movie. Let's go see it type of people. Right. And we did not grow up seeing movies like that. Okay. Yeah. And then, Jer, what was your experience watching Parasite? Yeah. So uh, we saw it on my birthday. So it was me and Amanda and a couple of our roller derby friends. Uh, that all decided to go out for my birthday together. And basically, I found out after the fact that I was the only person that had, like, even watched a trailer for it. Everyone else was basically just like, Jared wants to do this for his birthday. Um, and there we have a little, I think I've talked about it on the show before, we have, like, a little horror movie roller derby club that we'll all go see horror movies together. And uh, so these were two of the two of our friends from that. And so, like, I had I had heard it was, like, at least a thriller, you know, but none of, again, none of us knew really what to expect. We didn't know if it was supernatural or not. Obviously, the first good bit of the film, it, it's not, but that doesn't necessarily mean anything. And then I remember the moment when, um, basically, from the moment the the family calls and says they're on their way back home because the camp out got rained out... <laughs> From that moment until the dad gets out of the house, which I, I'm going to have to go back and rewatch it. It felt like an hour. <laughs> Not in a bad way. Because you were stressed out. Like, yes. yeah, adrenaline we, we, was... like, I remember looking over at one point and all four of us were like gripping the armrests <laughs> on the edge of our seats, like holding our breath. And again, it just like there's so many different things that happen. Like that's when you know the the former the former maid comes back they find her husband in the cellar the family actually gets home and they're hiding under the table you know what i mean it's just like there's so many things and it's 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 like relentless for so long um, so for people who are listening to this without having watched the movie you probably oh, have yeah. no idea what we're talking <laughs> about right now so here's the basic idea of the film there's there's a family that's very poor and they're given this stone, this pretty large stone, and told that it's, like, going to bring them uh, financial well-being. And, like, basically immediately after that, the son and the family, so it's a mother and father, son and daughter, the son gets a job tutoring a child in a wealthy family. And he realizes they have other needs. Uh, so he starts introducing other members of his family as, like, also 
creating needs for them, but introducing other members of his family as if they're not related to him and they can do the other things that are needed, like be a driver, be a housekeeper, be, you know, be an art teacher like this. So soon the whole family is working for this wealthy family and it's lifting them out of poverty, essentially. Um, but then, of course, everything goes wrong, as you would expect. <laughs> so and it's weird. It's it's actually quite funny in places. Yes. Uh, like there are parts that you're like, this is sort of a family comedy, uh, comedy about family, not like take your family, probably, except for Kathy's parents. Um, <laughs> and then, yeah, it is thriller. It's definitely horror ish. I think that's fair. Yeah. In what sense? You don't think it's horror? No, I'm just asking. Like I Oh, I mean as I'm we start moving toward the end, it's pretty clear that there's going to be not just oh, this is going to the cops are going to come, but that there's going to be extreme violence. Uh and like justice meted out for those who have lied and done terrible things regardless of who they are. Um so I think in that sense, like there's horrific aspects for sure. Like you mentioned the the character who's living in the basement, the hidden basement of the house, you know, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Definitely at least creepy. Uh, yeah. So what were, I, I, I don't know. I'd love to hear what some of your big either takeaways or things that stuck with you, things you really appreciated about the movie. Just either one of you. I mean, uh, I have my own list, but I'd love to hear what y'all thought. There were so many um, moments so the 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 son and daughter who kind of con their way into these new roles in the family as the tutor, English tutor, which is a real thing, and um, art teacher, they get Western names. Oh, interesting! I didn't even notice that. Yeah, so they yeah, it's get like Karen and Kevin is the guy's name. I don't remember. I don't remember what the daughter's name, the art teacher. Anyway, the two of them get Western names because their roles in the family are to, right. It's to further educate, Westernize, advance the children. Whereas the driver and the maid do not they're, they actually are just called by like honorary terms, like like Mister, Ms., Mrs. Um, and so that for me right away was like, oh, that's so interesting. And there's that value of having this American Western sounding name, uh, and what that does for their position in that family. So they may be hired help, but they are better than the, the man who becomes the driver and the woman who becomes the maid. So that was really interesting to me. And then, um, and then like the, the architecture, the visuals, so that, you know, the rich family's home, that was unbelievable. And I heard that that was built yeah, that's that's actually one of the things I wanted to to bring up. Yeah. So like, we're all writers, right? We've all read the books where the author wrote like a world changing poem or like this important novel or something, and like the the struggle of that is trying to be a good enough writer 
to write something that would be truly believably that good, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And or like, okay, this is a dumb example, but Bill and Ted. They allegedly write a song that changes the world, right? Mm -hmm. And I think one of the reasons that the plot of every Bill and Ted movie, including the forthcoming Bill and Ted 3, is they still haven't written that song. Because of course they can't. Like, how, how could, how could the film possibly give us a song that would be good enough to be believably that song? Right? Mm -hmm. And so in this movie, like, we're told this is a, this is like a, uh, a South Korean Frank Lloyd Wright type mm-hmm. architect who Correct. built this house. And like, I totally believed it. It yes. was such a cool house. I was like, Oh my gosh. Like, I wonder who actually owns this house. Yes. I wonder how they got permission to fill there. Blah. And then, uh, yeah, then you find out, Nope. Like they designed and built that to film this movie in. And I was, I was astounded. I mean, it's a pretty central metaphor of the movie, obviously too. Like, almost the entire movie takes place in this house where this guy built it. And has Im- essentially, he doesn't realize it, but to build his beautiful house and for it to function the way that it does requires that he imprison an impoverished person in the basement, uh, which is, I mean, I think one of the central themes of the film, actually. Yeah. Um, and that's mirrored by the family's own dwelling, right? The basement. Right. right. They're in the basement also, but they at least have windows, right? And they... They're actually one of the funny scenes I thought was when the dad is like, someone's coming through the neighborhood killing pests. And he's like, keep all the windows open. We'll get a free pest, uh, pest killing. Um, I actually thought that was going to be the beginning of the horrific, you know, like now we, now we have evil, horrific powers or we turn into monsters or something. But instead it was just like, (laughs) isn't it bad to be poor? Right. And we just got fumigated and we can't breathe in here. Right. right. We thought it was a good idea. Yeah. So, and yeah, the building that, that home that was built for the movie and that stark contrast of the actual basement community, right? So it wasn't just that this family, um, the Kim family lives in this basement apartment. It's that there's this entire community that lives in these basement apartments. And then and then it wasn't until later, as I was talking more about this movie with other friends, that there was nothing in that beautiful home that stuck out as Korean. Ooh. Right? And so... It's very modern. It's very clean. So one could argue it's very contemporary Korean architecture, all of that. But it isn't until you go into the pantry and the basement where they keep all of the jars, right? So there's like the plum wine that's Mm -hmm. hidden in the basement and all of those jars. And those jars contain things like the kimchi, the gochujang, the the red pepper paste, the all of the things that need to be fermented and kept underground and cold. That's and those for me are the kind of like uh, telltale signs of a Korean home. Where do you keep your stinky food? <laughs> <laughs> right, and it's not in the refrigerator. It's not even on the main floor. It's like hidden behind this door. 
and you go right. down into the basement and then there it is. Everything else is made to look like modern Korea, which is also, you know, very modern Western. The way they dress, um, the way the, the rich mom talks, right? She'll throw in her little English words here, here, here and there. And so even that was so interesting to me as a Korean American who is trying to make sure my own children understand that they are fully American, but also fully Korean and how it makes me so happy when Bethany wants to come home and she wants to eat Korean food at home. Right. Okay. So it's so interesting to see like how, how, how stark that contrast was. Kathy, I have a, I have a yeah. food question from the movie yes. that I wonder yes. if you can give me some insight on. So there's a scene where the mom who's pretending to be the housekeeper or is the housekeeper. Yes. Uh, is at home. They're all at the rich person's home because the rich people have gone away for a yes. camping trip and they're coming yeah. home uh, unexpectedly. Yes. And the rich yes. mom calls ahead and says, yes, yes, hey, can yes. you make this specific dish? Yes. And the housekeeper mom like doesn't it's know like, how to cook it that? and yeah. also doesn't know what it is. Yeah. Right. So I was right. like, is this a Korean dish? Like, why would she not know what this dish is? Uh, like, yeah, what was happening there? Yeah, I I had never heard of it. So I'm wondering if it is some sort of like new thing that they're eating over there. But then if you saw her prepare it, it was like a mix of instant noodles. Right. And like Which I didn't know if that was beef. like supposed to be funny because I was like, obviously you don't make it that way or something. Right, you know? but maybe it is. It, it very well ex- could the be. Rich mom seemed to expect you could have it ready in ten or fifteen minutes. Right. Yeah. So I think that that's what it is, is that there's something around like the way uh Korea has modernized and the cooking and the the disparity of wealth, right? issues around class. And so there, it probably is some sort of like new, you mix the, what I thought I saw was japagetti, which is instant black bean sauce noodles, which I have served to my family. (laughs) (laughs) Because if I'm going to make mac and cheese out of a box, I most certainly can make instant noodle dishes out of bags for my family. So- So it was stuff like that that I just thought was so funny. And then other little touches that made it feel very normal for me, right? So like the cutting of the fruit and offering it to the the tutor and the daughter. Like that that <laughs> felt so normal to me. <laughs> yeah. um, so I, I loved it. And then it was just so creepy. Okay. I felt like I knew what was going to happen as soon as that family went on the camping trip. And oh. I was like, oh, oh, that's when I grabbed Peter and I looked at him and I was like, oh, that's not good. No. Yeah. Okay. So there's a scene that I want to get both of your take on. Uh, it's kind of the climactic moment, actually. Right. So we have um, and, and it's it's actually just one piece of it I'm curious about. So we have the rich architect dad. Right. And he's basically like, there's some things where you might think he's a little creepy, but he's well off. He takes good care of the people who work for him overall. He seems to have a strong moral core of some sort. He's not cheating on his wife, right? He's affectionate toward his kids, uh, in, in some way. Right. Uh, and 
there's this moment when everything starts to fall apart where the dad from the poor family that's pretending to be his driver could still save everything more or less like his, his daughter has been hurt, but we're not sure what exactly is happening. Uh, and then the driver dad murders yes. the architect dad. So like, what was your, what did you feel? What did you think? What do you think it means in the greater picture of the, of the movie? Like what was happening in that moment for you? JR. Yeah. I mean, I think for me, it was like the dad realizing that they're cooked. Like this is, they're caught and his family might physically survive, but now they're going to be way worse off than they ever were before. And I think I just kind of saw it as him more or less like just snapping and sort of refusing to continue to live the way they had been living. I don't know. Like, I, I don't know if that makes sense, but that was kind of how I read that scene. Okay. What about you, Kathy? Um, I'm trying to remember how that unfolds because it's so chaotic, right? There, it Because it's this big party and then the basement man comes up and it's all this craziness. So I, I think part of it is the, the rich Mr. Park. Um, there's something about, there's some interaction there around, do you remember there was something about the smell? Oh yeah. yeah that's what he I'm saying. Right? Like like, the, um, he smells like a poor person. Like he smells yeah, like the subway. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, he smells like mold. I thought it was like the moldy. Mold. They're going to put their finger on it, but they're saying different yeah. things, like something like old cabbage, like something, something that's not yeah. right. Yeah, musty kind of smell. And I, I felt like there was some sort of interaction there around smell and respect. Uh-huh. And at that point, I felt like Mr. Kim, the driver, realizes that it doesn't matter <laughs> that he could still kind of be the hero <laughs> right he could still uh make sure the basement man is dead dead mhm mm-hmm. or protect other people at the party and like drive but, the car to the hospital right he could do any one of those things and yet he will still never be seen as equal. Right. And so it, he just decides to heck with this, <laughs> which I was a little surprised by. And, and so that's what I saw was this um, uh, reclaiming of his core anger at society. Uh, I was, again, talking about this with a few others, and there was another Korean-American friend I was chatting with about this, and he was saying he felt like the man in the basement was a metaphor for the the uh, uh, emasculation of um, Korean men 
interesting in kind of post-war experience and in the modernization of Korea. And and so there's a certain kind certain kind of man who gets left behind in the modernization and technology of the new Korea. And so I think that was a little bit of that clash where Mr. Kim the driver and Mr. Park the rich fairly young tech type person. So he's like the new Korean yeah. man. Mhm. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah. That's what I was yeah, there's so much going on in that scene like you said mm-hmm. Kathy like they're also dressed like sort yes. of uh stereotypical uh-huh. western yes. idea of native americans. Yep. Uh so there's this and it's like let's pretend that yep. we're going to kill your daughter. Yes. And my son is going to save her. Yep. Like my westernized genius Korean son is going to save her. But it's all been put into this western setup and you can tell that what I, like you said definitely the Mr. Park, the driver character, is is feeling that he's not being respected or that he'll never fit in or, or something. And so when he turns on the dad, the architect, mm-hmm. my thought was like, yeah, there's a sense in which I think it's partly jealousy. But I think also it's like he's protecting his own identity. Right. Right. Um, which is very strange because where it relegates him then is to that basement. That's how he escapes is that he goes right. back to that basement where the only way to communicate with the outside world is through this sort of extreme, like, I'm sure you guys noticed this, but like the one character, right? Like when he's flicking the lights on and off, he keeps doing it by bowing essentially to yes. press the light over and over to send these honoring messages to, Oh, thank you to this architect for making our life possible. Um, with, yeah. So the whole thing is, and he does end up right. JR, he does end up worse than where he started in every sense. Um, I mean, he has a home, I guess, but yeah. And then the sun though, what's interesting is the sun at the end of the day. Yes. Returns to his original (laughs) sin which is, I can make it, I can get all the money, we'll be happy. Um, I can fix this. I yeah. can fix this, just I'll work hard, which was his original plan. That's what he was trying to do as a tutor. And if he had just stuck to that, they probably they would have definitely been better off than they were by the end. Right. But even even his tutoring was predicated on a lie. Oh, for sure. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Well, and like, imagine he had just stuck to the tutoring and then married the daughter. Like if he could have somehow pulled that off through a con, like that would have been a really different life. Like I'm sure her dad would have made sure he got a job somewhere. Right. Right. And then his family would have been known as his family, as opposed to the art teacher, the maid and the driver. (laughs) Right. The family would have could have had the possibility of staying intact had he not drawn everybody into the con. But again, there is that there is a little bit of that like, okay, well, we're going to pull ourselves up by our bootstraps. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Right. Yeah. And then the storm (laughs) comes. Right. And is like washing everything away and like (gasps) bringing all the sewer up to the surface. 
And uh, I just wonder if part of the point of the movie is in modern Korea, Mm -hmm. there is not a way to be successful without being immoral in some sense. Mm. Like that, that is like, do what you want, but eventually the storm is going to come and all the crap is going to come out and uh, it affects everyone. Sure. And I would argue then then that's a lesson that Korea has learned from the West. Oh, for sure. (laughs) For sure. (laughs) Right. Right. Because the modernization and all of that, I think, again, the nod to giving the tutor and the art teacher Western names was right off the bat. Like it just. Well, that's what destroys the rich family in the end. Right. Yes. This this lust for the Western success. Yes. Yes. Or what what looks like. Right. Or what looks like um, connection or knowledge of the West, right? Uh, succeed in your English. Um, and that, I, again, that's a, that's a, that's a huge uh, draw for folks here in the U.S. to travel and be English tutors there. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, even that had been brought up even for Bethany as an option. My parents were saying, you know, oh, well, I bet we know people who could connect her if she, if that's what she wants to spend a year there, make a lot of money, yeah, see Korea and teach English, tutor English. Um, but, uh, but then for me, there was that pang of, yeah, like I have, I, I'm Kathy, but really I'm not. And, and what does that mean? for all of us, like how do we have to align ourselves with these Western values or specifically kind of U S values around success and money in order to look successful and to have this happy, shiny life that on a pinpoint tips over and is utterly destroyed. Right. And what killed me was that the son at the end is still so devoted to his father Mm. even after his father goes into hiding. <laughs> and, he seems to kind of see his dad almost as a hero. Well, and it, again, as a Korean, <laughs> Korean American, like filial piety, that is a real thing. And then this relationship between father and son and how the son is the one who carries on the family and coming from a family that doesn't have a son and grew up hearing things like, Oh, you don't have a brother. <laughs> Did your parents ever want a son? That kind of thing. Yeah. It it killed me, but it also made sense because I saw that kind of relationship between Peter and his dad. And like mm. even just the way his dad would talk about Peter. And I would think if I were Peter's younger siblings, and he does have a younger brother. Peter is the oldest. He's the firstborn son. Like that would kill me if you grew up kind of hearing the older son being revered as almost perfect. And then the obligation there, like to support your father and to honor your father, to worship your father. Uh, So that killed me. And that opened up really deep conversations between me and Peter. (laughs) Mm. So we probably have to wrap up pretty soon. JR, do you have any uh, final thoughts on the film? Yeah. You know, it's, it's called parasite. And I think that's interesting because Mm -hmm. to your point, Matt, it could have been a symbiotic relationship Mm. where 
the family, I mean, ultimately, like, it's not that difficult to imagine a scenario where the entire family worked for this other family right. out in the open in the light, right? Yeah. And everything yeah. was just fine. I mean, obviously, they did some underhanded stuff to get rid of the driver and get rid of the, the maid. maid. But we can imagine a scenario where they hadn't, and this was all just fine, and they were in a kind of a symbiotic relationship. You know, and the difference between uh, a symbiotic relationship and a parasitic relationship is that a parasite damages the host. Mm-hmm. And what I was thinking is that, you know, as I'm watching this movie called Parasite, which, again, I thought was going to be a monster movie. Um, and then I get to the end and I'm like, wow, they're both like they're both parasites. Yes. Right. Yes. Like they're both they both require the other to live. And they both damage, damage. the other yes. by the way they're living. Yes. Um, and so, I don't know. I, I just thought it was a really potent commentary on class and on the class system. Again, Kathy, to your point, that the West has bequeathed to the world. Hmm. Hmm. How about you, Kathy? Any last thoughts on the film? No. I just, I want to go back and see it again. Um, And maybe it'd be interesting to be able to watch it without the subtitles. Mm. Um, For me, I, I can understand a lot more than speak or read. And so I know that there was quite a bit lost in translation. So for me to not have to pay attention to the words, to focus on the audio uh-huh. Um, uh-huh. I would be interested in seeing. Do you need some white friends to sit there and ask you questions all the way through the movie? <laughs> <laughs> yes, that would be fun. Kathy, do you need some white friends to sit next to you and explain it to you? Yes, that would be that would be the best, actually. <laughs> now, Kathy, I don't know if you know this, but this is uh, where they're storing their stinky food is actually really informative <laughs> about... <laughs> Um, That's what we call it in the West, stinky food. Yeah, stinky, stinky food. food. Yeah, uh, it's 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 exotic or ethnic, um, yes. if you will. Right. Yes. That's which aisle you would find it on in the grocery. So serious question: um, in 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 2019, where's this film going to rank for you? I don't know, man. I'm terrible at these ranking things. It was a good film for sure, thought provoking, um, but I'm not certain. How about you? It's going to land in my top five easy, probably top three. Mm-hmm. I don't think I've ever been asked to rank my movies over the year. So I'll have to think about this. It's definitely up there. Uh, Kathy, I'm coming for your top ten list this year. Oh, gosh. Be prepared. Okay. I know <laughs> I've seen at least ten movies. so you have, you have until the seventh day of Christmas to get it ready. Okay. <laughs> oh, that's, uh, Thanks. That's February 12th, I think. Um, (laughs) Okay, so let's do this. If you haven't seen Parasite, check it out. If you have, we'd love to get your insights or your thoughts or your experience. Like if you were just like, I had no idea what was happening, that we'd be interested to hear that. Um, Let's talk about what's fascinating us this week. JR, I know you have a couple things. I have a couple of things. Uh, So one, I got to see Ryan Johnson's new murder mystery, Knives Out. And it is fantastic, as everyone has been saying. I will say this. Uh, 
the trailer gives away far less of the film than I thought it would. Oh, that's interesting. So about 30 minutes into the movie, I was like, oh, wait a second. What kind of movie am I watching? So. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. In a great way. Um, I really appreciated it. And, you know, murder mysteries are hard to pull off because when you get to the big reveal, it has to feel satisfying and surprising. And that's a difficult needle to thread. I thought it did it really well. I also hope Ryan Johnson makes like 17 more movies with this Daniel Craig detective because he is hilarious. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so that's my first one. I'll save my other one until the end. So, uh, Kathy, what's what's fascinating you this week? Disney Plus. Oh, you guys went all in, <laughs> Just huh? All of it. Yeah, you know, when they announced that they were doing the streaming thing, I just went, how many more streaming channels do we need to get temporary passwords for and do this free one month or whatever? And <laughs> <laughs> is it really worth it and all this kind of stuff? Um, and I was not excited about it, but I also am fascinated by how excited my family was about it. How's that? And, and then I was also fascinated by how many people I follow and I'm friends with online who went in and were like, mm. yes, I was surprised. I really was. And like the nostalgia around some of the old Disney movies so, um, so we decided to go in and do a package with Hulu and ESPN Plus. I think that's some sort of sports thing. I don't know. Right. And we've um, been doing research on that here at the show, and we have not yet discovered what ESPN Plus is. Yeah, something with sports balls. <laughs> I think maybe I don't know. So I decided, you know what? Let's do this. Um, we talk a lot about um, movies, all that kind of stuff. So I think this would make sense. Pulled it up and then let the kids know. And they were like, yes. So I also was fascinated by the family response to <laughs> my yeah, decision to go in. Yeah. So that's it. Disney plus. Yeah. So we haven't gotten Disney plus yet. And I have to say there has been some definite, like somewhere between disappointment to shaming on the internet about it. Like people send me a note. Hey, have you watched the Mandalorian yet? I was like, nah, I don't have Disney plus. And they're like, what's wrong with you? I was like, right. What's wrong. Why have I not given another, however many dollars a month to Disney? That's a great question. I'm not sure. Right. Um, there's, there's no reasonable reason for that, but, but yeah, haven't done it yet. But, uh, I mean, tempted for sure. Right. Um, and baby Yoda, come on. I know. Little baby. My favorite new thing is to troll people who are like, oh, it's not baby Yoda, people. Huh. It's called the child, and it's a child of the species to which Yoda belongs, which as yet is unnamed. Huh. You baby troll Yoda. them saying that, or you troll the people who are saying that? No, I, I troll the people who are saying You're that. like, yeah. well, he's clearly been reincarnated after Return of the Jedi. Like that? Actually, one of my good friends, who's one of the biggest Star Wars fans I know, Harry Downer, believes it might be a clone of Yoda. <gasps> because the scientist in the room with Warner Herzog, when the bounty hunter is issued the bounty, is wearing a patch of the cloning division on his uniform. Oh. Bum, bum, so there's a there's a hot non-spoiler just fan theory for you. Bum, bum, bum. That's fun. We also don't know that it's male, do we? 
What if it's no. a female clone of Yoda? Bum, well, bum, there is bum. a female of Yoda species in the cartoons. Yes. Bum, bum, bum. <laughs> Yodette. Yodette. Um, in this week's edition of You Should Listen to JR when he suggests that you watch things, I have started watching the HBO series Righteous Gemstones, and it's great. It's all Yes, a- please tell me please tell me why you love it. <laughs> <laughs> so this is a movie about a televangelist family that really is a critique of modern evangelicalism, I think the entire show. Um, and a critique, not one where you're like, Hey, this is really unfair. It's one that you're like, Oh, you know about that? Like, (laughs) so you've done your research clearly. Like you're either one of us or you were one of us or you know, some of us. Um, but yeah, there were definitely moments where, you know, as someone who has run a lot of gigantic evangelical conferences, there was definitely at least one moment where I was just cringing and going like, I built that. Like I have done <laughs> that. Not like, you know what I mean? I haven't been on stage doing that, but I've built the framework for that. Um, and, and, and it's not like, um, it's pretty balanced in the sense of these are actual human beings and there are sweet moments with some of the terrible characters. Um, and it's obviously kind of outsized satire also. Uh, so there are places where you're like, well, that's not really fair, but it is awfully funny. Um, and it's amazing acting. So many good actors in this show. Uh, so I'm only maybe halfway through the first season, uh, but I'm just having a great time with it. It's so good. Uh, lots. I mean, Again, it's definitely rated what? Probably rated R, yeah? Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> so, good amount of cursing. It's HBO. Nudity, violence. Um, but, uh, boy, really funny so, and insightful, I think. I've been dying to talk about the show, so I'm so excited that someone else has finally watched it. I have a question, and Kathy, I want you to weigh in anyway, even okay. though you haven't watched the show yet, because I think, I think you have a good opinion on this. Matt. Yeah. How do you feel about the preaching and the ministry that the main characters are doing? <sighs> because they're okay. So to be clear, like they're running a church. Yeah. For folks who haven't seen the show, they're running a church, like a mega church. And also like the youngest son is probably gay or <laughs> bi or something <laughs> repressed. Um, yeah, but closeted. Yeah. Um, the eldest son, like literally the whole plot of the first season is that someone show. is blackmailing him because at a prayer conference that they led in Atlanta, he and all of the like inner circle of the ministry, which are like the guys in the band and all that kind of stuff, like had cocaine and hookers in a hotel room and someone filmed it and it was blackmailing him. So like not even a little bit good <laughs> no he's clearly a completely corrupt bad guy like there's yeah, nothing but, good about him except that he has money that's what's good about him I, I, so how do you feel about them because it shows a number of church services that they're leading yeah and so, pieces of sermons and and the show goes out of its way to show over and over that for most of the family that the whole like following Jesus thing is a tool. It's not actually part of their lives. You see these moments with the patriarch where you're like, "Eh, is he serious or is he 
Does he know? Well, because he, he started from nothing, right? Like right. I don't know there how far you've gotten where in the like, show. He but... seems to actually believe it, and then you're like, maybe not. And then with the kids, it's like, well, this is a tool they've used to get what they've needed their whole lives, like from their daddy. Um, and they've been taught how to do this. So I think what's fascinating, and this is a normal kind of ministry issue, is that there are some ways in which their ministry is actually very effective. Like just because they're insincere doesn't mean the people who are following Jesus beneath them are insincere. They're victims. Um, uh, or they've been deceived in some aspect of what's being taught to them. But I think for sure it keeps hitting on this thing that I've experienced many times, which is as you get closer to celebrity Christianity, you start to see how spiritually toxic it is. Like you can't be a Christian celebrity without dealing with some pretty, uh, uh, how to say it, some, some pretty difficult, toxic spiritual things that will decay your spiritual life if you don't have really robust ways of fighting it. Uh, it's not a healthy space. Um, so, and I think it shows it very, very clearly, exaggeratedly <laughs> clearly. Yeah. Yeah, Kathy, I know you and I, you know, we've talked on the show and then also just in, you know, more normal life about churches that are doing good work mm -hmm. that maybe don't have good people running them. Yes. W what do you do with that tension? Uh, well, I don't, I, I don't think it's that unlike what you see in... Mm, corporate America, right? I mean, I think there are some, some, I don't know, like great products or great employees or that kind of thing. And you may not like the values of the CEO, but what happens to some of the employees, that's a great thing. Uh, so I don't know what to do with that. I just... I, I just sit with the tension. I it, I think it's the reality that there's this is a broken world. There is no system that's perfect. And the church is one of the more obvious spaces where I think to us who are in the church, who are Christians, we should be able to see it and name it. And maybe that's where I find it most challenging is to name it um, mm. and to say like, yeah, you know, that pastor or that leadership team, that was messed up. But, and it's not, well, but at least this good came out of it. It is despite the toxicity of that leadership, this came out of it. So let's, let's focus on trying to, uh, break through that toxicity and then emulate the good that has come out of it. It's a both end. It's complicated. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, honestly, that's one of the reasons I was surprised to enjoy this particular show so much because I was fully prepared to just gleefully hate watch televangelists being skewered. Right. You know, and the show actually is more complicated than that in ways that I'm not sure that people who are not part of the church would perceive. 
you know? Yeah. So like to Matt's point, it feels, it feels very much like an insider made it. And I read an interview with Danny McBride, who is one of the creators of the show and the, the son, the main, the main terrible son, like he said, he has a lot of people that he's close to that religion plays an important part of their lives. And it was important to him to not dishonor that as they were making the show. So, oh, okay. Interesting. Mr. McBride, big fans love to have you on the show. Let us know when's good for you. Um, I want to suggest one more thing, even though yep. I know we're super long. It's a game that I found at Board Game Geek Con last weekend. Uh, it's called The Captain is Dead, Dangerous Planet. So it's the third volume in this series. And um, <laughs> the premise of it is you land on this planet, you get off your ship, a bug immediately bites the head off the captain, and he's gone. And the rest of you have to work together to accomplish the mission before the bugs overwhelm you and kill you. So it's a cooperative game. It's a board game you set up and play. It's turn-based. And it's just, it's really fun because you cannot, you cannot kill all the bugs. Like there will always be more bugs than there are of you and they'll always keep coming. So it's more about working together and strategizing to like accomplish the objectives of the game before you all die. (laughs) (laughs) So it's, it's weird because it creates this, it creates like this real sense of urgency. Like even though it's just a silly board game, like usually in these kinds of games, like each of the players gets to go and then the, the bugs get to go. But in this game, like if we're all playing, Matt goes and then the bugs go and then Kathy goes and then the bugs go and then I go and then the bugs go. So, so like, the bugs it, get equal play. They get. Yeah. I mean, it's so it's it creates oh. this like I move, but then then the bugs so might have the bugs four actions before I get to move again. Right. <laughs> so it's I don't know. It's a lot of fun. We played it at the convention and we bought it and then brought it home. We've played it with a couple of our friends already. And man, it it's it's really it's simple to learn. Like it's not one of those games that you have to read the directions for 100 hours to figure out. Mm-hmm. It's it's a pretty game. Like the art's really oh, fun. OK. And like, again, in that kind of like um, pulpy sci fi way, you know, uh-huh. Uh, yeah, I don't know. It was cool. a blast. So I, I, I think about it a lot and I can't wait to keep playing it. So that's the captain is dead. Dangerous planet. I haven't played the first two installments, but you don't have to. They're all totally standalone. So oh, nice. Anyway. Uh, well, we'd love to hear what y'all are into this week. We would love to hear what your favorite holiday movies are. What are we, we didn't mention it's a wonderful life. So if you want to yell at us for that, please let us know about that. Um, Matt was pretty down on Home Alone 2, so let us know, uh, you know, what you think about that. Uh, Kathy, anything that you're working on uh, right now you want to send people to? No, I'm not doing anything. It's wonderful. <laughs> awesome. How about uh, you? Well, I have, I have a couple of pieces up at Think Christian, one on Righteous Gemstones that Matt was just talking about, and one on A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood. Wonderful. So... I actually, I looked at Think Christian's front page the other day, and I, I'm on there in five different places. Yes! <laughs> so apparently I've been churning out a bunch of content for them, which is fine with me. Um, but yeah, those two pieces, I had a lot of fun with both of them, and I thought, I don't know, they were, uh, I was kind of doing some experiments with my writing style, so yeah, I really enjoyed them. So, oh, good, good, good. Yeah. 
All right. Well, we will be back soon. We have not figured out when we're going to cut off this season, but we're going to figure that out soon. We'll probably have at least one more where we'll try to get Clay back on. Uh, but until then, thanks as always for listening. And if you have time to rate us and review us, we'd love for you to do that. That's a great way to help new people hear about the show. Uh, and yeah, we'll be back soon. Uh, have a great beginning of your Advent season. We hope you had a great Thanksgiving. And uh, until next time, take care of yourselves out there. Bye.